Part six of Henry Wirtz, Commander of Andersonville Confederate Prison, Trial and Execution by United States Army Staff Judge Advocate. Part six Report of Staff Judge Advocate to the President Report of the Judge Advocate General, War Department, Bureau of Military Justice, October thirty one, eighteen sixty five, to the President henry wirtz was tried by a military commission convened at washington d c on the twenty-third day of august eighteen sixty five by order of the president of the united states on the following charges and specifications here follow the charges and specifications upon being arraigned the prisoner's counsel submitted the following pleas first that he ought not to be held or tried for any cause by the government of the united states because according to the terms of the surrender of the rebel general johnson under whose command he was serving at the time it was agreed that all officers and men should be permitted to return to their homes not to be disturbed by the united states authorities so long as they observed their obligations and the laws in force where they resided second that he should not be held to trial or in custody because at the time of his arrest he was in the enjoyment of his liberty and was promised by captain noyes of major-general wilson's staff that he should not be held as a prisoner but that after giving such verbal information to general wilson as he was able he should have a safe conduct to his home which promise was violated third that the commission had no jurisdiction to try him for the offences charged also that he had been on the twenty first of august arraigned and put on trial before the same tribunal on the same charges and could not be tried or put to answer a second time therefore also that the charges and specifications were too vague and indefinite and did not make out an offence punishable by the laws of war all these pleas were discussed at length on both sides and were after deliberation properly overruled by the commission a plea of not guilty to both charges and specifications thereto was then made by the prisoner the investigation of the matters alleged against the prisoner then commenced and continued until the twenty first day of october during which time a hundred and forty-eight witnesses for the prosecution and defence were examined and a large amount of documentary evidence found in the official papers captured at andersonville and among the rebel archives at richmond was introduced one of the counsel for the defence then asked for an adjournment of two weeks at least to enable him to prepare an argument the commission first decided to adjourn ten days and upon his further petition twelve days for this purpose he however declared that it was insufficient time and thereupon announced that he would submit the case without remark after an adjournment of four days an elaborate statement of the prisoner was submitted which was prepared by him with the aid of an able assistant the chief reporter of the trial who shows himself familiar with all the material facts which goes over the whole case in explanation of certain acts averred and in denial of the proof or truth of all the others the closing address of the judge advocate immediately followed and thereafter the court it appears having maturely considered the evidence adduced found the accused henry wirtz as follows 
here follow the findings and sentence of the court it is not necessary for the purpose of this review to go into an elaborate discussion of the questions involved in the findings on the first charge from the document of the proceedings containing more than five hundred pages presenting a mass of evidence bearing upon these questions no brief summary can be made which would do justice to the subject the argument of the judge advocate sets forth an able and exhaustive examination of the material legal points raised and proof established by the trial and forms a part of the record it may be relied on as giving a full and just exposition of the matters which entered into the deliberations of the court and as particularly applicable to this branch of the case reference is respectfully invited to page forty eight thirty eight to fifty one forty eight the opinion is expressed that the conspiracy as described in the findings above recited was clearly made out and that the conclusions arrived at by the court could not in the light of the evidence this record contains have been avoided language fails in an attempt to denounce even in faint terrors the diabolical combination for the destruction and death by cruel and fiendishly ingenious processes of helpless prisoners of war who might fall into their hands which this record shows was plotted and deliberately entered upon and as far as time permitted accomplished by the rebel authorities and their brutal underlings at andersonville prison criminal history presents no parallel to this monstrous conspiracy and from the whole catalogue of infamous devices within reach of human hands a system for the murder of men more revolting in its details could not have been planned upon the heads of those named by the court in its findings the guilt of this immeasurable crime is fixed a guilt so fearfully black and horrible that the civilized world must be appalled by the spectacle there remains yet to be noticed the matter involved in the second charge the homicides alleged to have been committed under this charge and which the court found were committed are of four classes first those classes of death which resulted from the biting of dogs specification two second cases of death which resulted from confinement in the stocks and chain gang specifications five six and seven third cases of prisoners killed by guards pursuant to direct orders of words given at the time specifications eight nine twelve fourth cases of prisoners killed by wirtz's own hand specifications one two three that all the deaths embraced in these four cases resulted from the causes and in the manner set forth in the specifications is conceived to be very clearly established by the evidence adduced by the prosecution and it is not deemed necessary in the absence of any contradictory testimony directly bearing on these instances to recite the evidence applicable to each except it may be briefly that relating to the fourth class specifications one two three and some acts of a similar character 
the testimony supporting the first specification is that of felix de la Baume, a union soldier who states that on or about the eighth of july eighteen sixty four he was one of a detachment of prisoners taken to wirtz's headquarters to be enrolled before being sent into the prison that one of his comrades was attacked with epilepsy and some of his companions by permission of the guard ran to the creek for water that he the witness heard a shot fired and on turning saw wirtz fire two more wounding two prisoners one of whom the witness never saw nor heard of afterwards and the other of whom he saw carried up to wirtz's headquarters in a dying condition the wound being in the breast there is also the testimony of george conway who states that on or about the eleventh of july eighteen sixty four he saw wirtz shoot a union prisoner within the stockade as he was stooping to pick up his cup which had fallen under the dead line and that the man died almost instantly which of these two cases either being it is conceived sufficient to sustain the allegation the court relied on does not of course appear in support of the second specification martin e hogan testifies that some time in september when the prisoners were being removed from andersonville to millen he saw wirtz take a prisoner who was worn out with hunger and disease by the coat collar and because he could not walk faster wrench him back and stamp upon him with his boots that the man was borne past him witness bleeding from his mouth and nose and died in a short time the third specification is supported by the testimony of george w gray who states that about the middle of september eighteen sixty four he and a comrade named william stewart a private belonging to a minnesota regiment went out of the stockade in charge of a guard to carry a dead body and that after laying it in the dead house they were on their way back to the stockade when wirtz rode up to them and asked by what authority they were out there that stuart replied they were out there by proper authority whereupon wirtz drew his revolver and shot stuart the ball taking effect in his breast and killing him instantly and that the guard then took from his body some twenty or thirty dollars which wirtz received and rode away further evidence in regard to wirtz killing certain prisoners was presented but the dates given by the witnesses show the murders to have been other than those alleged in the specifications they will be referred to as illustrating the character of the prisoner and establishing a frequency and repetition of like crimes james h davidson testified that in april as he remembered wirtz came into the stockade one day and a lame man went up to him and asked him a question whereupon wirtz turned round and shot him and he died thomas c alcoke states that one day the witness seems to have no knowledge or recollection of dates wirtz came into the stockade and a man asked of him permission to go out and get some fresh air that wirtz asked him what he meant and that after a few more words had passed between them wirtz wheeled round pulled out a revolver and shot him down the ball taking effect in his breast and death occurring about three hours afterwards it also appears by this witness that when he remonstrated 
wirtz told him he had better look out or he would be put in the same place and that soon after wirtz came in with a guard and put him in irons hugh r snee testifies that sometime in september eighteen sixty four a party of union prisoners were to be exchanged under an arrangement between general sherman and the rebel hood that they were taken from the stockade after dark as the heat in the day was so great that the men would have fainted that none but able-bodied men were selected it being stated when they were called out that any one who could not walk eighteen miles a day would be shot that notwithstanding this the men were so anxious to escape imprisonment that some too weak to perform the day's travel came out the witness states that three who belonged to some western regiments were able to go but a short distance before they fainted and fell out of the ranks and were pushed one side by the guard that thereupon a man ran back and speaking in a voice he thought at the time to be that of captain wirtz wanted to know why they were there that they replied they wished to get out of prison whereupon this man said i'll help you get out god damn you witness then heard six pistol shots followed by a cry as if some one was hurt and immediately after a rebel lieutenant came past remarking that it was a brutal act that one of them was dead and when asked who did it replied the captain the most prominent features of the defence under this second charge will now be considered an attempt was made to prove that during the whole of august and parts of july and september the prisoner was sick and confined in his bed and could not have committed the crimes charged to him in those months in his statement to the court however he made no reference to his absence doubtless for the reason that the testimony was of too general and loose a character to set up as contradictory to the explicit statements of numerous witnesses as to the dates when the crimes recorded in the finding were committed corroborated as those statements were by official papers bearing his signature showing that at different times during those months he was in the performance of his ordinary functions as commandant of the prison it was claimed that deaths resulting from the use of dogs in the capture of escaped prisoners were not crimes fastened upon wirtz he not being present at the pursuit and therefore not responsible but it appears to have been the fact that this use of dogs was under wirtz's special direction that the pursuit of prisoners was in many instances initiated under his immediate orders and in some cases captures were made under his personal supervision it was also clearly proved that a part of each pact were ferocious dogs dangerous to life so as to make it probable that the men on whose track they were sent would be killed a man overtaken by these beasts and desiring to surrender could not by coming to a stand save his life the instinct of the dogs was for human blood and to surrender to them was death a most shocking illustration will be given two soldiers had escaped but were overtaken the party who captured them returned with but one who was so mangled that he died and the chief of the party known as turner exulted in accounting for the other stating that they allowed the dogs to tear him in pieces and left him in the woods 
as applying to the question of criminal responsibility involved in this class of homicides the judge advocate referred the court to the well-settled principle of law that it is not essential that the hand of the party should be the immediate occasion of the death but that if it be shown that means were used likely to occasion death and which did so occasion it the party using such means is to be held responsible for the consequences there is but one of this class of homicides which enters into the findings of guilty under this charge a discussion of the legal points involved is conceived to be needless inasmuch as the charge is sustained by a conviction on nine other distinct allegations of murder as to the deaths resulting from the use of stocks and chain gangs the defence urged that the men were placed therein for the purposes of discipline that they were commonly used for such purposes and that their use at this place was attributed to those higher in authority than wirtz to whose orders he was subject upon this point it is to be observed that prisoners were put in these instruments of torture as punishment for having escaped or having made attempts to escape from their captors which attempts whether successful or not it was their right and duty as prisoners of war to make any punishment inflicted upon them therefore by their captors was a violation of the laws of war and deaths resulting from such unlawful punishment are murders this would be the judgment of the law apart from some of the peculiar circumstances which surround these crimes and which so decidedly indicate their true character prominent among which is the often declared animus of the prisoner showing conclusively that in these and kindred barbarities he was deliberately seeking to sacrifice the lives of his victims it was shown that these stocks and chain gangs were under wirtz's immediate and direct control that he exercised full authority in committing prisoners to both while it may be and probably is the fact that his action in this matter was sanctioned by the rebel winder when he was on duty at that place it does not relieve the prisoner of responsibility for the result relating to the three homicides embraced in the third class the prisoner makes no special defence except as to the killing of the man known as chickamauga he urges in his final statement that his order to the guard to shoot this man was only intended as a menace it is clear however from the testimony that his order in this case as in the others was peremptory and according to his own version it was not a command that could be construed by any subordinate as merely a menace moreover it was distinctly proved to have been accompanied by a threat that he would shoot the guard if the guard did not shoot this crippled soldier he states further and it is so found by the record that this poor man desired to be killed it would seem because he was suspected by his comrades of having given information to the prison keepers of some attempts of prisoners to escape from the stockade this fact however in no degree palliates his murderous guilt of the homicides embraced in the fourth class those committed directly by his own hands the prisoner's statement notices but one that of stuart sworn to by the witness gray it is asserted that the testimony of this witness is a pure fabrication 
there is nothing found in the examination of the record which casts a doubt on his veracity and the court seemed to have discovered nothing in his manner on the stand to raise the question of his credibility as to all those cases not heretofore specially mentioned the defence insists that the allegations were too vague and indefinite and that the testimony is insufficient to sustain them and also that it is altogether improbable that such murders could have been committed without coming to the knowledge of various witnesses who stated that they had never heard of such crimes at andersonville no evidence being submitted which contradicts the concurrent and explicit statements of the witnesses who gave positive testimony of their perpetration these murders are fastened to wirtz's hands many points were raised by both sides relating to the admission of evidence as the trial progressed these were fully debated at the time no discussion of them here is deemed necessary it not being found that competent proof material to the prisoner's defence on the specific offences of which the court pronounced him guilty was excluded much latitude seems to have been given him he was allowed to show special acts of kindness to prisoners and to introduce declarations made by himself in explanation of his acts letters and official reports and oral testimony of his personal efforts offered as indicating his interest in and a care for the comfort of the prisoners were also admitted it is shown that every witness asked for by the defence was subpoenaed except certain rebel functionaries who for reasons stated at the time did not appear on the stand but the judge advocate proposed that if the counsel for the defence would set forth according to the common rule by affidavit what he expected and had reason to believe any witness who did not so appear would testify it would be admitted of record that such witness would so testify this proposition was not accepted one hundred and six witnesses were subpoenaed for the defence of whom sixty-eight reported but thirty-nine of these many of them soldiers of our army and sufferers at andersonville were discharged by the prisoners counsel without being put upon the stand a review of the proceedings leads to the opinion that no prejudice to the legal rights of the prisoner can be successfully claimed to have resulted from any decision which excluded testimony he desired to introduce the trial is believed to have been conducted in accordance with the regulations governing military courts and the record presents no error which can be held to invalidate the proceedings the annals of our race present nowhere and at no time a darker field of crime than that of andersonville and it is fortunate for the interests alike of public justice and of historic truth that from this field the veil has been so faithfully and so completely lifted all the horrors of this pandemonium of the rebellion are laid bare to us in the broad steady light of the testimony of some one hundred and fifty witnesses who spoke what they had seen and heard and suffered and whose evidence given under oath and subjected to cross-examination and to every other test which human experience has devised for the ascertainment of truth must be accepted as affording an immovable foundation for the sentence pronounced
the proof under the second charge shows that some of our soldiers for mere attempts to escape from their oppressors were given to ferocious dogs to be torn in pieces that others were confined in stocks and chains till life yielded to the torture and that others were wantonly shot down at wirtz's bidding or by his own hand here in the presence of these pitiless murders of unarmed and helpless men so distinctly alleged and proved justice might well claim the prisoner's life there remain however to be contemplated crimes yet more revolting for which he and his co-conspirators must be held responsible the andersonville prison records made exhibits in this case contain a roster of over thirteen thousand dead buried naked maimed and putrid in one vast sepulchre of these a surgeon of the rebel army who was on duty at this prison testifies that at least three-fourths died of the treatment inflicted on them while in confinement and a surgeon of our own army who was a prisoner there states that four-fifths died from this cause under this proof which has not been assailed nearly ten thousand if not more of these deaths must be charged directly to the account of wirtz and his associates this widespread sacrifice of life was not made suddenly or under the influence of wild ungovernable passion but was accomplished slowly and deliberately by packing upwards of thirty thousand men like cattle in a fetid pen a mere cesspool where to die for need of air to breathe for want of ground on which to lie from lack of shelter from sun and rain and from the slow agonizing processes of starvation when air and space and shelter and food were all within the ready gift of their tormentors this work of death seems to have been a saturnalia of enjoyment for the prisoner who amid these savage orgies evidenced such exultation and mingled with them such nameless blasphemy and ribald jests as at times to exhibit him rather as a demon than a man it was his continual boast that by these barbarities he was destroying more union soldiers than rebel generals were butchering on the battlefield he claimed to be doing the work of the rebellion and faithfully in all his murderous cruelty and baseness did he represent its spirit it is by looking upon the cemeteries which have been filled from libby belle isle salisbury florence and andersonville and other rebel prisons and recalling the prolonged sufferings of the patriots who are sleeping there that we can best understand the inner and real life of the rebellion and the hellish criminality and brutality of the traitors who maintained it for such crimes human power is absolutely impotent to enforce any adequate atonement it may be added in conclusion that the court before which the prisoner was tried was composed of officers high in rank and eminent for their faithful services and probity of character and that several of them were distinguished for their legal attainments the investigation of the case was conducted throughout with patience and impartiality and the conclusion reached is one from which the overwhelming 
volume of testimony left no escape it is recommended that the sentence be executed j holt judge advocate general end of part six